Yeah, that, that new vision series is gonna start November, or I'm sorry, September 18th. But today and next week, we're gonna finish up a series we've been calling Bless. So we are finishing up uh, that series next week. So we got uh, message four in that series today. And today's message is called Serve. Chris Hearn just returned with his family from a vacation. And Chris's son was having trouble getting to sleep that night. And it wasn't just because they're coming back from vacation, but it's also because Chris's son had lost his favorite stuffed draft, Joshy, on the trip. Yeah. If you have kids, you know how terrifying that is. This kid would not go to sleep. So um, Chris decided uh, to stretch the truth a little bit uh, <clears throat> and told him that Joshy was just staying extra long on the, at the resort. He needed a little more vacation time than the rest of them. Chris's son believed it and slowly drifted off to sleep. Chris was quite excited when a few hours later he got a, hotel, or a call from the hotel that one of the workers at the hotel had found Joshy. And Chris was ecstatic, right? This is great. So he told him that this worker at the hotel, he said, could you do me a favor? See, I, I told my kid this story. Would you be able to take Joshy and just take a photo of him like in one of the lounge chairs by the pool? And the hotel worker was like, sure. A few days later, they got a package in the mail. Not only did it contain Joshi, the giraffe, but it contained a binder full of photos. And as they opened it up, they saw pictures of Joshi lounging by the pool, getting a massage with cucumbers on his eyes, driving the golf cart down by the beach, and even watching the security cameras. Like, there's all these photos and Chris and his wife were ecstatic, like even happier than the sun, right? It, because of how amazing this service was. It impacted them so much that Chris wrote up a blog post about it that very quickly went viral. Some of the best customer service he'd ever seen, and everybody wanted to hear this story. So why did that make such a difference for that family? Because nothing counts like costly service. When someone goes above and beyond and does something outside the normal, when they break the script, it makes a huge impact. This story uh, came from a book called The Power of Moments, and they talk about this, that if you want to make an impact, you've got to break the script. Because everyone has like an expectation of what normally happens when you do normally lose the stuffed animal on a trip. Most of the time, you never find it, right? I know about that, okay? May or may not have happened in the wolf household. Okay, so that might happen. Maybe if you're really lucky, they'll find that stuffed animal, stuff it into a box like, to get the packaging and like, save on packaging and mail, and you'll, it'll get, come all crumpled up in the mail like weeks later. Like maybe if you're lucky. But to have someone at a hotel take time out of their busy day, to take a few hours or however long it took to drive around the golf cart, taking photos, interrupting people and all the things they were doing, go and get all the photos printed out and mail it in a binder to the family. Now that's above and beyond, isn't it? That breaks the script. And that's why it stood out. And if that's true with customer service, how much more should that be when we're talking about our faith? Because we're not just trying to like win a customer. Or, or have them be more loyal to our business or to come back. What we're talking about when we share our faith is we want someone to find the best life now and eternal life later. That's what we want for them. And so if we're gonna share our faith that way, we have to serve. And nothing counts like costly service. 
Nothing counts like costly service. That's our big idea for today as we continue our, our series, Bless. Now, Bless is an acronym, an acrostic, whatever you want to call it, um, B-L-E-S-S, and it's based on a book by the same name, and we're actually giving away copies of this book every single week. So if you haven't done so, you can use the, the QR code on, on the screen behind me or go to risingnumber.com slash book, fill in your name, and you enter in each week to, to win the book. So we're giving away a different book every week, like the same book, okay, a different, same book. You know what I'm talking about. Every week. So if you already have your name entered, you don't need to enter again. But if you haven't done it, just do it. Like, this is a free book that you could win. Um, and it can help you because this book is so, such a simple way to share your faith because so many of us are terrified. If you're a follower of Jesus, it can be terrifying the thought, if I share my faith here, will they stop being my friend? Will they think I'm weird? Well, what are they gonna think about this? Some create crazy religious nutso? Okay, well, whatever they're gonna think, we're afraid to do those things, to share our faith. And this is so simple, blessed, because it's a simple way to share our faith. Five practices. B, begin with prayer. L, listen. E, eat. That was a good one, right? Did that one last week. S, serve. That's what we're covering today. And finally, S, story. Share your story. We're gonna talk about that next week. But these five simple practices are simple ways that we can share our faith and perhaps help someone find eternal life. So uh, in order to learn about this concept of serving, that nothing counts like costly service, we're going to learn from the words and the life of Jesus himself. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open with me to Matthew chapter 20. We have some Bible, physical Bibles in the back if you want one. Um, or you can get out your smartphone or tablet, and you can use the YouVersion Bible app. If you use the Bible app, you can find our Rise Church Denver event, and you can save the notes and see all the scriptures right there on your phone. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. So Zebedee's sons, James and John, these are two brothers that were already part of the disciples of Jesus. They are part of the top 12 guys. But, but their mom comes now, and she kneels down asking Jesus a favor. In verse 21, what is it you want, Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Verse 22, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. So what's going on? This is the first ever helicopter parent. <laughs> you guys have heard that term before? Helicopter parents, that they're just always hovering around their kids, trying to help whenever they, there's a problem, they'll just swoop in into college. Like, oh, mom will be there, we can talk to the counselor. <laughs> so helicopter parents, although a few years ago there was a new term, lawnmower parents. Have you heard of this? Lawnmower parents, it's not enough to just hover in case there's a problem and then they can swoop in. Lawnmower parents go out in front of their kid and mow down any obstacles in their kid's way. They're gonna go ahead and talk to the professor ahead of time, give my kid an A. I'm like, what? Lawnmowers. Although this month, I don't know if anybody saw this in the Washington Post, there was a new article talking about jackhammer parents. You heard this term? The parents that are like so obsessed that if you do something wrong with their kids, they will make you change the curriculum, change the teacher. They'll get you fired if you get in their kid's way. Jackhammer parents. There are parents that are all, on, all in to help their kids, and that's what 
James and John's mother was doing, right? They're like, okay, Jesus, if you're the king of kings, can you give somebody the seat at your right and left hand? Could it be my sons? Like, we, they want a position of power. Now, we can, uh, you know, make fun of her, but this is actually what a good parent does. They help their kids out. They try to, to do whatever they can to, to do good things for their kids, to help out and, and be in there sometimes a little too much, but you're like, hey, at least you're trying, because this is actually normal. Most people want the best for themselves and for their own. They want to be served. That's what most people want. They want to be served. And for James and John's mother, he's like, hey, if they're in these positions of prominence in the kingdom of God, then they will be served. And I want that for my kids. She's trying to look out for her own to be served, to be served. And that's what everybody wants. This is actually the normal script that we want the best for ourselves. We want others to serve us. So I would go to a restaurant so that someone serves us and we don't have to cook. And who in here has had bad customer service over the last year, right? Things have gotten worse, right? Customer service is not what it used to be. We all know that. And because we want to be served and we leave upset from the restaurant. The hotel, the, the airplane, like it wasn't as good as you wanted. Come on. We want to be served. We expect to be served because we all want what's best for ourselves. That is the normal human script. And that's the script James's parents are, are doing. And Jesus says, when he's talking about drinking the cup, just in case you're wondering, what he's talking about is the, the cup of suffering, the cup of wrath. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm gonna take this cup. Are you guys prepared to do it? And they're like, oh yeah, we'll do it too. If that's what it's to take to get to the position. And Jesus is like, well, you're gonna have to do it, but you won't get the position, sorry. In case you're wondering what he's talking about there. But then Jesus goes on. Uh, in, in verse 24, actually, um, it explains the situation now. It says, that when the 10 heard about this, these are the other 10 disciples, when they heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. They're angry because they want the position, right? They want to be served. So in verse 25, it says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, those who are not part of the people of God, lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. He's saying this is normal in the world. That people want a position of prominence and they want people to serve them. Even if they're serving for a little while, it's only to climb up the ladder to the top so they could be the one being served. This is the world. This is the normal human script. Everybody wants to be served. But Jesus says in verse 26, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Servant. Whoever wants to be great must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. The way to the top is serving at the bottom. That's what Jesus is saying. This is the way of Jesus. It flips the script. It's not normal. It's not what everybody does. It's service. Jesus says the way to greatness is humility of serving others. And this is crazy, but every single one of us can do it. Isn't that interesting? Martin Luther King Jr. said it this way. He said everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. This is the way of Jesus, is not to be served, but to serve. 
not to be served, but to serve. And it stands out because it breaks the script. Everybody wants to be served. So when someone is willing to stop and serve others, people are like, what the heck is going on? Nothing counts like costly service. And and when you're willing to do this, it really does flip the script. And let me tell you, I'm calling it costly service today because true service is costly. It's costly. It costs you someone to something to serve another person. Now it's like sometimes it's it's doing something disgusting. (laughs) Sometimes it's taking up a lot of time that you're like, I got very little time. It's very limited in my life, right? I'm busy to give someone your time. Or hurt your reputation. When you serve people, they'll look at you like you're crazy. But it's got to be costly if it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference. Now, we have a family of raccoons that lives in our neighborhood. And uh, earlier, uh, not, not too long ago, they were terrorizing our trash cans for a number of nights. Like every night in a row, there was somebody in our alleys, the trash can was like dumped over or the trash pulled out. Man, these raccoons, they are smart Cannot, like they get the trash out and there's trash all over the ground. It happened to me like three mornings in a row. I wake up and I'm like, ugh, right? And then there was one Sunday morning when I woke up and I'd been working on my sermon. I get up real early, right? I gotta get everything ready for you guys. Gotta have a good message. People are waiting. I gotta serve them with my message, right? I had my message ready and I'm running a little bit behind. So I jump in my Jeep to go quick so I can get to church and do all the things that I need to do. And I noticed that my neighbor who's behind me in the alley, his trash can had been knocked over and there's trash all over the ground. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna serve my neighbor. And as I'm driving by, I say, hey Siri, text my neighbor to pick up their trash. That's how I was gonna serve my neighbor. I'm not making this up. And as I'm doing that, as I'm ready to send this on Siri, I remembered this story of the Good Samaritan. I don't know if you know this parable that Jesus tells about what it means to serve your neighbor, to love your neighbor. He starts out, there's a guy lying on the side of the road, beat up, naked, needs help. And first comes a priest, a pastor. And it says he's on his way to Jerusalem. That's where the temple was. He was on his way to serve in the temple. And this was actually probably a rare thing for a priest to get called up in the temple. Like, this is important. He's a big deal. He's got to prepare his message, be ready. He's got to look good. And he sees the guy on the side of the road. He's like, no, he passes right by. The second guy that comes by is a Levite. This is someone who worked in the temple but wasn't a priest. This would have been, you know, they're a church staff member, right? And that's an important job. Somebody's got to do it. Everybody's expecting a service to run on time and in order. Everything's got to be clean. I got to be there on time, the temple. The Levite walks by the guy needing help, and he walks right on by. It wasn't until a Samaritan, who wasn't even part of the people of God, stops to help him, right? So this story ran through my head (laughs) as I'm driving away, about to text my neighbor, pick up your trash, right? (laughs) So I go in reverse, right? (laughs) And I get out. And I'm not telling you this because I'm the hero, because I did not want to do this, right? But there are eggshells on the ground, avocado juice, like it is gross. And I'm picking this all up and putting it in the trash can. Definitely not a smile on my face. But then my neighbor came out right then. He had seen what I was doing. He's like, oh, Matt, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. I was like, no, 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 I have to. (laughs) I have to do this. Cleaned up, had to wash my hands and then go to church, right? Uh, because none of us want to serve. We want to be served. We don't want to clean up someone else's trash. We want them to clean up our trash. And I'm saying you that because we all have that heart. We don't want to do it. 
It's not like there's this miraculous person, like, oh my gosh, they're an incredible, incredible servant. Like, no, no, no. It's costly to serve people. It costs you time. Sometimes it's disgusting. I think there's a reason Jesus chose the example of this as washing his disciples' dirty, stinky, gross feet. Sometimes it's disgusting. And sometimes it hurts your reputation. They're like, what a weirdo. Yeah. When you're serving right, people should be calling you a Christian weirdo. Okay? It's not normal. It breaks the script. But that's what we have to do to stand out. Nothing counts like costly service. So how are you supposed to serve? In this series, we've been challenging you to really share your faith with your neighbors. And in the first week we talked about, we had this like thing that you'd fill out with the names of four of your neighbors. It could be your physical neighbors, the, the houses next to you. It, it could be um, people that are in like the cubicles next to you or that work out next to you. It doesn't really matter who those four people are around you, but they're people who are regulars around you. We ask you to first begin with prayer, to start praying for them, then to listen to them, then to eat with them, and now we're challenging you to serve them. So I wonder, what's, how are you supposed to serve? How is God leading you to serve them? And guess what? You won't want to do it. It'll be weird, it'll be strange. But as I was there and, and my neighbor, uh, this was the same neighbor that I shared last week how I invited him to church for like the 10th time. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not coming. But he said, but don't give up on me yet. I was like, I will not, okay? Maybe when I served him that way, it made a difference. I don't know. Maybe it stood out. I can only hope. But how are you serving your neighbor? Maybe you need to mow their lawn. Maybe you need to pick up their trash. Any college students in here? There's nothing gonna make a bigger impression on your neighbors than cleaning up their trash after a Friday night bender. I'm serious. Nothing will make a bigger impact. Cleaning up vomit, that person will think you are a saint. I'm serious. It may, maybe it's mowing a lawn. Maybe it's taking care of chores. Maybe it's somebody who is ill and you're taking them and driving them to their cancer treatments. There are ways we can serve that stand out and they're like, why are you doing this? You should serve until someone asks you that. Until they ask you, why are you doing this? Then you know you've done something to stand out. Keep serving until you stand out. Melissa is great at this. She bakes entire huge cakes or cupcakes and she gives them to our neighbors and they're like, what the heck? They're like so big, so amazing that they're like, what, what is this? It, you have to do something sometimes out of the ordinary, right? You have to go above and beyond like that staffer at the hotel. <laughs> Right? You gotta be above and beyond to catch people's attention. And that's what Jesus is showing us the way, his way. The way of following Jesus is to serve others. So I don't know how you're being called to serve your neighbors, but I know you're being called to do it if you're a follower of Jesus. And keep doing it until they ask you why. And I mean this, next week we're gonna talk about really how we share the why, but I want you to be prepared because they will ask you why. Often, They'll ask you, they'll say something like, oh, let, let, me, let me pay you back. I, I, can, I can do that for you. I, you got the package off my porch. I'll get the one off yours next time, okay? They'll be like, I, I don't wanna be in your debt. Can I pay you back? And that's a good place to be. But tell them, no, you don't have to pay me back. Like, and that's the why. Because if you can say, like, you don't have to pay back my debt. Jesus paid my debt, and that's why I'm doing this. Jesus served me so I can serve you. I don't expect anything in return. I'm loving you because God loves me. Whatever your why is, I really encourage people, and when I do trainings, I tra train them to do one sentence whys. Like, what's your one sentence why? God loves me and I love you. <laughs> tell them why, and they're like, what? We have to tell them why. Jesus says why to his disciples. This is kind of telling about his whole ministry, but also what he's about to do. In verse 28, 
He says, just as the Son of Man, that's his title for himself, says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is telling them why. We do this because this is the way of Jesus. And ultimately, it's gonna be the way of salvation, which we'll talk in just a minute. You've got to serve people. You've got to do the things that are outlandish, that are crazy, because that's the way of Jesus. Jesus, who, who was in heaven, the king of kings, he came down to earth, emptying himself so he could serve others. And if the king of kings, who had angels serving him, is willing to serve us, that makes an impact. That stands out. That breaks the script. And this is what Jesus did. So he's telling his why to his disciples, so they in turn can tell others. This is the purpose of serving. In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said it this way. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. By serving others, it's supposed to lead people to worship God. Leads to their salvation eventually. Rosaria Butterfield, in a, I talked about her book last week, but she has this great quote in there. She says, God calls us to make sacrifices that hurt so that others can be served and maybe even saved. It's worth it because Jesus did it for us and it was costly for Jesus. He served not with, only with his whole life, caring for the poor, loving them, uh, performing miracles to heal the sick, spending time with the lonely. He did all those things, but then he went and died on the cross in our place. So we must tell them why, just like Jesus told the disciples why he was doing it. 1 Peter 3.15, in fact, we're told that we must be ready for this. In the message paraphrase, it says, be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you are living the way you are, and always with the utmost courtesy. We should always be prepared, because if somebody asks you a question, boom, there's your opportunity. Serve until it breaks the script. Serve until they ask why. And be ready for that. Be ready for that. It makes an impact. And in fact, I wanted you guys to see a little video from a man in our church named Dwight about how he experienced this. I, I think service to others is um, one of the most important things that we can do um, as part of the body of Christ. Our, our new refugee family is from Northern Africa, and um, they have a very long and sorted and sad life story. We don't share the language. We don't share religion. We don't share um, culture or food or music or anything else. And so um, what we do share is that um, we have a responsibility um, to share the love of Jesus with this family who perhaps have never experienced what it means um, to be in a relationship with a Christian person. They had been in a refugee camp for 12 years um, with very minimal, minimal um, access to any kind of medical care or treatment. Two weeks ago, uh, we were able to help him get um, eye surgery and he can now see uh, almost 20-20 in that eye and he's gonna have another eye surgery next week. He's gonna have a total knee replacement in September. And so uh, we are making a big difference and the lives of our refugee family. And it's all about sharing the love of Jesus. They, they don't understand us, but they understand our actions. They understand our behavior. They understand our commitment to them. Last week, um, our church helped pay for his cell phone bill for the remainder of the year. And he was just overwhelmed by that. 
and he just couldn't believe how kind it was of us to do that for him, and um, it made him cry. And so Omar and I cried sometimes together um, because we're both emotional about this because it has become a very rich relationship with us. One of his famous his, his, his expressions to me every day is, um, you too good me. And so um, I take that very seriously. If you want to bless your neighbor, uh, you do that by serving them. Um, he told me, we, we drove by the church um, recently, and I said, this is our church. And he told me, he said, I, I come with you. Um, I think his intent is to come to church with us. And so um, this is a great opportunity in my life and in the life of our church and the life of our team um, to work um, with a refugee family and to show them the love of Jesus Christ, to serve them, to love them. And even when we can't speak their language, the language of love is a very powerful language. And this is how we serve others. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Nothing counts like costly service. And it opens up people's eyes. And maybe for the first time, they're like, why are you doing this? And that's what happened with Omer. And um, it could and will happen with the people in your lives as well. And um, I, I just wanted to, to, to focus one more minute on Matthew 20, 28. I don't know if you know this, this verse. When Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is Jesus. This is like his mission statement. I came to serve, not to be served, and to give my life as a ransom. His disciples didn't know that he, he meant more than just like every moment of his life, which he did, but with the very last breath of his life, he died to serve us. And it uses the word ransom because a ransom is paid to free someone from captivity or from slavery or from, from debt. Jesus said, that's what I'm doing. I'm serving you by paying off your debt. See, the heart of, of what we believe as Christians is that every single one of us are sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. You have done wrong. You have lied, cheated, you have stolen. And, and even if you ignore all of God's laws, you have broken your own code of conduct. Every single one of us. And we have hurt ourselves and we have hurt others. And because of that, we are in a debt to them and to God. And it's a debt we could never repay. We could never do enough good to make up for all the bad things we have done and will do. But Jesus, who was perfect and did everything right, still went and suffered a sinner's death, a criminal's death, crucifixion on a cross. But he did that in order to ransom us, to pay our debt, to free us from our sins so that we could be forgiven, have a new life now and eternal life later. That's the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. And he did it to break the script. Because nothing counts like costly service. And what's more costly than your bloodshed on a cross? Jesus knew it. That's why in Romans chapter five, it says very few people will die to save the life of someone else. Although perhaps for a good person, someone might possibly die but God shows his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. He wanted to catch our attention. He wanted us to see that he loves us, that he knows our sin, knows our guilt, knows the shame we bear, and he still loves us. And he knew that by dying on the cross, he would show the world how much he loves us. He 
forget it, you break the script. The costly service like that counts. I'm telling you this because if you're a follower of Jesus, how could you not then go out to serve others? And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, maybe it's time to make that decision. That if you declare Jesus is your Lord and you accept his gift of forgiveness, you say, he ransomed me. You don't have to do anything else except accept that gift. It says in the Bible that anyone who declares with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you have an opportunity right now. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say a prayer. It's nothing magical, but it gives you that chance to declare Jesus as your Lord and receive his gift of forgiveness. So if you're already a follower of Jesus here, I want you to say this prayer out loud to give courage to someone who needs to pray it for the first time today. So would everybody please bow your heads with me. Close your eyes too. And please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Forgive me. Save me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Give me the gift of forgiveness. Give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and serve others. Now with eyes still closed, and if you said that prayer for the first time today, and today you, for the first time, declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if that's you, I wanna see your hand in the air on the count of three. Hold it up high. One, two, three. Put that hand up in the air. Praise God, we're celebrating with you. Woo! Lord God, for all of us, we are so grateful that you died on the cross to ransom us from our guilt, from our shame, to free us from the debt we owe so that we could live forgiven. We can walk out a new life and we can go and serve others, not out of debt, but because our debt is paid. Help us to serve and to make a difference. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So if you say a prayer like that and, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but there's a next step of obedience. And this is baptism. Jesus said, basically, if you wanna go public with your faith, you've already done that internally, you're saved. Baptism doesn't save you. But this is a step of faith to say, hey, I believe. You're going public with your faith. And if you made that decision today or, or sometime in the past, it's time to get baptized. We have some people that signed up to get baptized. We had um, three people signed up for service. We ended up baptizing five, which was awesome. Like, it was, it was amazing. And we're gonna hear their some, some more stories from the people getting baptized in this service. I think we have five signed up right now. But maybe you feel a tug on your heart. It's like, it's time. It's time for me to make the decision to get baptized. That's why we say you have to make the decision for yourself to get baptized, to go public with your faith, because it's an outward sign of that inward faith. And what I'm gonna say is if, if you made that decision today and you're getting baptized today, we'll walk to the back. We have shirts, we have towels, we have a change of clothes for you. There's no obstacle except you from getting in the way. So on the count of three, would you stand up and head back there? One, two, three. Yeah, stand up and head back there if you wanna get baptized today. All right. Yeah. All right, would everybody please stand right now? We're gonna sing a song. It's actually a new song by our very own Sam Fisher. He wrote a song for our baptisms. So let's sing us. Would you teach us this new song?